three, two, one. Welcome back to the Anyone Can Run podcast, the podcast for those new members of the running community who want to knock out their first race, whether it's a 5K, full marathon, or anything in between. I am your host, True Bros, a.k.a. Gabe, a.k.a. the gamer who needs to replace their motherboard and or processor, I'm not really sure yet, and I am an NCCA certified personal trainer, gamer, and sneakerhead who specializes in helping clients reach their health and fitness goals. This podcast is a blend of motivational words, a chronicle of my running my personal journey on the road to Gainesville, some poor attempts at humor, but above all, it's the place where we cover the marathon mindset, the running routines, and everything else you need to know to help you absolutely dominate your first race. When we were on our impromptu hiatus, unscheduled, following the Dopey Challenge, I remember struggling with coming up with topics for discussion for future episodes. My goal has always been to be informative and provide info I believe would prove valuable to new psychomaniac members of the running community. However, I'd find myself juggling ideas and eventually my creative wellspring that lives deep within my soul ran dry. As I think back to that period, after knocking out the 2020 Dopey Challenge, which was this past January... I remember mid-marathon, I told my wife something I think is appropriate to relay here, and that's I've never thought that I would take on another full marathon ever again. That conversation that we had while we were running under the Florida sun is something I've been wrestling with internally for a while, and it's the catalyst for my changing up the format a bit of our conversations here at Anyone Can Run. Like I said just a minute ago, I've always wanted to provide info, something that's actionable and something that's useful to my fellow members of the running community. However, the more I think about it, there is plenty of information out there for new runners to unearth in varying mediums. For me specifically, as I turned my back on the concept of a full marathon, I began to think, what are the most valuable lessons I've learned while running or from running? What are are the things that I've learned about myself? my physical and mental limits, as well as those that I've observed and trained over the years. The more I think about why I love running, the less I think about the actual miles logged or the time splits I'm constantly trying to improve. Instead, I gravitate toward how running is my time to myself, how it's my opportunity to free my mind to focus on creative projects, and how the knowledge of myself I've acquired over multiple race days has helped shape my outlook on not just running, but life overall. I think deep down my goal will always be, or if it's not my goal, it's at least my desire, will always be to provide useful information to all you runners who want to complete your first race. However, raw information alone, to me, isn't enough. And while I've learned and I've implemented tons of methods to improve my speed and endurance both mentally and physically, The wisdom that came hard won and that I truly cherish is about myself and my personality. However, all of this has been gained through pounding the pavement. As a result, I'm beginning to toy with the idea of changing up the format of our discussions here and likely focusing less on specific details of training plans and what to eat 
or how to eat because I'm not a nutritionist, but more on the marathon mentality. We've dedicated an entire episode to that previously. However, this mindset of incremental improvement and constant work is truly the most valuable thing I've gained as I've logged more years and more miles under my belt. If you're brand new to Anyone Can Run, I welcome you. And I'm preparing you for one of my core fundamental beliefs I'm about to impart. If you're a long-time psychomaniac runner, I thank you. And this may sound like old hat, but I vehemently believe that every human being who is physically capable of exercise needs to complete one, count them, one full marathon at least once in their lifetime. Today, I want our conversation to focus on the mental and physical benefits which come not only with tackling an actual race, but specifically focusing on the race training cycle. Before we dive into that, however, I want to take a few minutes to relay why I don't plan to run many more marathons in my remaining years on this earth. I thought about it for a second and be very clickbaity if I were to have named the episode why you need to run a marathon and why I'm never running one again. However, I'm all about keeping it 100 with y'all and I ain't about to lie. I don't have very many goals remaining as they pertain to running, but one is to run the New York City Marathon. If I got selected for the 2021 iteration of this iconic race, whether it be through lottery or time qualification, you can bet your behind right now I'd jump at the opportunity. I say 2021. Wait, no, I didn't get qualified for 2021. I, uh, they had the draw system and I didn't get it. So hopefully 2022. But anyways... The more I think about it, I am going to run a virtual marathon this fall, so in like two months, and I still hope to participate in the legendary New York hitter. So it's not entirely accurate to say I'm never going to complete another marathon. I've always been interested in completing the Marine Corps marathon, and since there's a virtual option this year, I signed up because being able to complete a 26.2 mile hitter around my home Sounds kind of brutal, but awesome at the same time. It sounds very daunting to say you need to complete at least one marathon in your life. Especially if you're a brand new member of the running community who is still trying to maintain a running pace for more than five minutes continuously and who has never completed more than two miles. I know if you told me back when I first started running, the concept of completing a full marathon continuously wouldn't even have fit into my cognitive framework. My mind just, it wouldn't even fit. Like saying there's cows who live on the moon or something. It just, it wouldn't work. And if that's where you're at, then I'd argue that's even better. Because that means you've a plethora of short and long-term goals in front of you as, as they relate to running specifically. And the mental benefits will arguably outweigh the physical. And I know that sounds crazy, but let's unpack that bombastic statement for just a few minutes. Before we dive in, for the purposes of the next few minutes of today's conversation, just bear in mind our end goal is to have you complete a full 26.2 miles at some point down the road. Whether that's 6 months, a year, 18 months, 2 years, or whatever. It just depends upon your comfort and fitness level. But just remember, completing a full marathon is our end goal. The day I signed up for my marathon, I had never run more than five miles continuously in my life. But I'd always been a relatively fit person for years. I'd run a couple miles a few times a week. I lifted weights regularly for years. 
I was on the rowing team in college. I pounded away on a heavy bag a few times a week. And I'm not saying this to say, oh, look at me, I'm so fit. But I want to emphasize the day each of us commits to becoming a runner, we all start out at different baselines. While I could comfortably run two or three miles at an eight minute per mile pace at the time, you know, prior to signing up for my first marathon, some people may not even be able to run continuously for a minute. And that's all right. We all start somewhere, but we're all going to end up at the same place. And that's with a piece of bling dripping around our neck because we crossed the finish line of a full marathon. Let's say you're a brand new runner and you can run for a minute continuously comfortably. And after that, you need to rest for a bit. So interval training becomes your best friend. The reason I say you need to complete a marathon is because the human body is amazing. And provided you stick to a training plan and run regularly, within two weeks, that's right, I'm saying within 14 days, if you measure your runs via an app or a fitness tracker or whatever, you will see improvement. The shape and form of that improvement will vary on a case-by-case basis. But odds are, even if you aren't able to run much faster, you'll be able to run for longer. That 60-second continuous run, even if you think it's little more than a brisk walk, will surely become 65 seconds, and then 70, and then 90, and then 2 minutes. By training your cardiovascular and muscular systems, you can do some amazing things. As long as you're cognizant of how you physically felt in those early days, when you could only run a few steps, and you juxtapose that with how you're feeling when you're able to go up a flight of stairs without getting winded, well, if you ask me, that's a pretty fantastic feeling. While the physical benefits of getting in marathon shape can't be denied or overlooked, I vehemently believe the most important thing I've learned from not just running, but specifically getting in marathon shape is consistency. I'll readily admit, during school I used to always put things off and I'd pummel a few caffeinated drinks, cram for a test, and go ace it more often than not. Because of the tendency to perform well, I get pretty dang lazy when I was younger. And now when I think back to those days, I absolutely can't stand it. Can't stand it. Because it's, I don't know if it's because during my first race where I essentially tried to do the same thing. And I found that you absolutely cannot do that with something physical. And that physical equalizer or whatever you want to call it, I found that fascinating. While it's true. There are outlier individuals who have a combination of insane work ethic with natural physical gifts. For the most part, all of us are on fairly even playing field when it comes to something like running. I know when I was younger, I couldn't really play organized sports except for basketball. Not because I didn't want to or because I wasn't able to, but because some sports were just prohibitively expensive. I know football was very popular when I was like in middle school and high school, but you had to buy the gear and you had to do this. And if you were in band, which I wasn't, but you had to buy your instrument and those things were very expensive. And I grew up not with a whole lot of money, so I couldn't really do anything like that. The beautiful thing about running is that you don't need much gear other than a quality pair of shoes. You could also use a decent training plan and consistency to develop the necessary muscular and cardiovascular strength and endurance to run further and faster. 
The training planet is key, especially if you want to tackle a marathon, as it forces you to run regularly, which helps develop consistency both mentally and physically. And for me, the development of that discipline was invaluable. Up until that point of my first race, I trained as much as I could, but as much as you can attempt to scheme and Machiavelli your way through certain situations like I did when I was younger with school, there is no substitute for time and effort. I did not have enough time to train, nor did I have enough of an endurance running baseline, and while I mentally willed myself across the finish line, it was easily one of the most painful physical experiences of my life. I always like to say, for the most part, we don't have bad days, right? It's just learning experiences. And I did so much wrong during that truncated training cycle of my first race, to drinking and gorging on pizza the night before, to overtraining and not listening to my body, which caused me to sustain a minor injury. But all of these things were like little light bulbs going off in my head after the fact, like at the end of Chicago when they shoot out the back of the, what is it, the stage or whatever it is. Being able to physically recover and reflect on everything that went wrong during that training cycle meant I wanted to do it all over again and really do it right. I wanted to adequately prepare because even though it was painful, I scratched, clawed, and limped my way to the finish line so I knew I had 26.2 miles in me. Which means, at least in my head, if I just dedicated myself and was smart and focused, I'd be able to not only cross the finish line in the upright position, but do so feeling strong. And that's what it's all about. The reason in our scenario, or whatever we want to call it for today's conversation, that we want to commit to a full marathon as a long-term goal is one, let's not beat around the dang bush. It takes a while if you're brand new off the couch to develop the physical and mental tools necessary to complete that distance continuously. During the course of developing those tools, when you're forcing yourself to go out and run three or four times a week, you're building a foundation of consistency. Maybe you're a driven person in the office or the classroom, and maybe you work out regularly as you dang well should, and maybe you even log 4 to 10 miles a week to knock your cardio out. That's all well and good. But if you want to complete a full marathon, you need to log a ton of miles in preparation. Obviously, to complete a long-distance race, you need to run a bunch of miles. And in that repetition and volume is where I personally believe the true value of completing a marathon is realized. I know everyone listening here is a psychomaniac runner, but what other forms of exercise do you love? I, for one, always have and always will rank resistance training over running in terms of my personal enjoyment. Because there's nothing quite like that feeling of strength and satisfaction you feel after lifting up something heavy and then putting it down, or banging out a bunch of push-ups or dips. That's a feeling I personally have never gotten from running, and while I prefer it, I've always attributed this predilection for resistance training to that quick hit you get after lifting something. I ask you, because while I personally would rank resistance training above running, I also prefer shadow boxing or hitting the heavy bag to running. I've worked with tons of clients who prefer swimming or biking or gladiator type training or the obstacle course type training over running, and all of that is well and good. As long as you're safe 
responsible, and getting an exercise, who cares what you're doing, right? That's always been my philosophy. I don't think you need to be a certified personal trainer who's worked with multiple clients to know this, but more often than not, it's more exciting to mix up the workouts we do from time to time. When I first started exercising with regularity, I'd always mix in a day of either plyometric training or rowing on the erg to have some variety and keep myself engaged both mentally and physically, which is always a good idea in training to ensure you're regularly engaging all your muscle groups, right? Cross training is amazing. However, when it comes to training for a full 26.2 miles, you've got to log a ton of miles. And unless running is the only thing you do as a human being, there are going to be some days where you don't feel like going out and logging six miles. Or you don't want to do the steady run. You'd rather do something like ride a bike or lift weights. It's completely understandable. I know I was there myself. I know all the clients I've worked with have been there. But if you have that full marathon in the back of your mind, You know deep down lifting weights or going swimming isn't going to help you cross the finish line in the upright position. The way I think of it, we all have things we have to do that we're not enamored with. Maybe it's a specific task we have to do regularly at work. Maybe it's a specific type of assignment we always get from that one teacher or professor we can't stand. Maybe it's washing the dishes by hand or mopping the living room. We do things because we need to. And eventually, that combative mentality of, oh, I have to do this, just becomes, oh, let me knock this out real quick. It's a very subtle difference. But in my eyes, it's the differentiator between those with discipline and those without. Part of the reason I emphasize the unpleasant work tasks or home chores which need to be completed out of necessity is because in my limited life experience... In my own head and working with my clients, I've seen a willingness or at the very least a begrudging acceptance to do things we don't really want to do when work or school or family commitments are involved, but not so much when it comes to fitness. If it sounds like I'm saying, hey, you should sign up for a marathon because it takes a whole lot of running to prepare for it and you may not necessarily like that, well, it's because to an extent... I am. However, it's that's not the sole reasoning behind it. Discipline and motivations are terms I see get used almost interchangeably when perusing the popular running hashtags. However, there's a distinct difference between the two. Motivation can be a beautiful thing. It can be the reason you decide, you know what, I'm running this race in six months, or I'm doing this, I'm doing that. But it, it wears off. And to me, At the very least, I've always viewed it as extrinsic. And those days where you don't really feel like running and you start to make excuses in your head like, well, I did a 10-mile run last weekend, so I can probably skip this weekend's scheduled four-mile run. And if you're not disciplined and or you're not fully committed to reaching your goal, maybe you actually do skip that run. Is that the end of the world? Of course not. If you're sticking to your training plan and you decide to skip a run or two, does that mean you're not going to reach your goal of crossing the finish line of your first marathon? No, don't be silly. There's a fine line between wanting to be driven and disciplined and pushing yourself too hard. After I completed my first marathon, I realized the litany of mistakes that I made with training. Most importantly, I knew when my body needed to rest and when I could push a little harder. 
as I'm listening to myself, I feel like I'm a little scattered brain Jane right now. And it sounds like my mind is moving like a tram bike. So let's just get straightforward and discuss why you need to run a marathon. We got to get back on topic. One of my favorite statistics to cite is something I read when I was first toying with the idea of signing up for a marathon at the House of Mouse. And that number is less than half a single percent of the United States population has completed a full marathon. We're talking 0.5% of the U.S. population. How crazy is that? It's easy to think once you've immersed yourself in the world of running and you make friends with running groups or a running community, that completing a full 26.2 miles is an easy or a common thing, but it's really not. I think back to every single member of my family and all the friends I've made over the years prior to running, and maybe a handful of them, I can, off the top of my head, I can think of four people that have completed a half. But we're talking of the hundred or so people I can consider having met over the course of my life. We're talking to that point, 26 years, 27 years, I forget. But that's everybody I met in my life prior to running. None of them have had completed a full marathon. Think about it. And I mean, all the people you know fairly well, either that you're close to or you know or that you used to know, how many have completed a full marathon? My guess is not too many. For this reason alone, completing a full 26.2 miles should be on your living list, right? I don't like the idea of a bucket list. It just sounds negative to me. It should be something everybody completes at least once in their lifetime because the human body can do tremendous things if you train it to. Even if you've never run a single mile after completing your full marathon, you and you proudly go get winded every time you reach the top of the stairs from that point on, you still have the medal and that feeling of accomplishment you got, not just from crossing the finish line, but from enduring the entire training cycle. And not even enduring isn't the right word, from dominating it. You learn discipline, and I mean primal, basic discipline when it comes to getting stronger over that training cycle. You roll out of bed early, and hopefully make intelligent and healthy decisions as they relate to food, because you want to feel light and strong when you're racking up miles. This, by extension, means you're improving muscular and cardiovascular health. And I'm sure if you mention to your medical professional you're training for a marathon and don't have some sort of long-term injury or severe underlying health issue, they will be ecstatic to hear you're doing so. There are obvious physical benefits that come with living a healthy and fit lifestyle. Namely, feeling healthy and strong. But the mental benefits should not be trivialized. Provided you've put in the time and work and made healthy decisions, completing a marathon is easy. You can run, you can walk, you can use intervals or just power walk the whole thing. It doesn't matter how the actual race is completed so long as you finish in the upright position and come in under the time limit. Now training for a marathon, well, that's a little bit of a different story. Is it hard or difficult? No, not at all. I've trained people who were in way better shape than me when they first started, who struggled to complete the distance. And some people who don't quote-unquote look like runners, they look like, you know, a normal person like me, who completed their first marathon and still had energy when they were done. But you know what the difference between those two random examples that I just gave are? Work ethic, dedication, 
discipline, whatever you want to call it. Training for a marathon isn't difficult. It's not some skill-based game like soccer or lacrosse or boxing or anything like that. But it requires you to put in a tremendous amount of effort regularly to stick to a training plan. And that can be difficult. It's not the physical portion of a marathon that's difficult. And I know it sounds positively asinine, but you can train your body to be accustomed not just to the rigors of running, but to that distance as well. It's why you see people tackling those ultra 50k, 100k races, because you can train your body for that. However, it's the getting yourself to go out and run multiple days per week, with many of your runs eclipsing the one, two, three, four hour mark that can be challenging. Doing that regularly forces you to find something to focus on mentally, to get comfortable not just with your thoughts, but to stay mentally dialed in on the exact same repetitive task for hours at a time. That is a difficult thing to do. And I've met multiple, multiple people who say something like, oh, I get bored or, oh, that sounds boring. And to an extent, I completely understand that. If you don't want to complete a marathon, you don't have to. I'm not the boss of you, right? I'm not your mom telling you what to do. But if you want to challenge yourself mentally and physically and reach goals you've never before even considered possible, signing up for a marathon and joining less than a half of a population of an entire country who can truthfully and honestly refer to themselves as marathoners is absolutely something that should be at the top of your get busy living or get busy dying list. I know we've just spent a while debating why you need to complete a full marathon. And it wasn't much of a debate. It's me telling you why you need to complete a full marathon at least once in your life. And I think it makes sense to shift gears and discuss why I now have such a disdain for that length of race, which helped foster my love for running and was also one of the most important milestones in my life. So this past January, January 2020, I ran the Dopey Challenge at Walt Disney World with my darling wife, which consists of running four, mi four miles, four races in four days. It's a 5K, a 10K, a half, and a full marathon on back-to-back-to-back-to-back days. And it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if you didn't have to show up hours before race start due to traffic and congestion. I'd completed this challenge once previously, and it was a positively brutal experience because I'd rolled my ankle something fierce during the 5K, the first race. I ended up spending each of the days after that race running around the park, and overall was in a tremendous amount of pain. Plus, the half marathon was canceled that year that I did my first challenge due to weather, and I ended up running a cool 13.1 miles around the Port Orleans Resort, which was a unique and motivating experience to say the least. My first dopey challenge was my wife's first full marathon. And I remember barking at her once we were in Epcot, which is at the end of the race, like the last mile or two, that I physically could not run anymore due to the pain in my ankle. And although I crossed the finish line in the upright position, it was absolutely painful. And due to the half being canceled, it was always something I looked at with a bit of an asterisk. I always looked like, yeah, I did it, but not really, just in my head. After seeing my humbling experience with my first dopey challenge, my wife wanted to tackle her own and then more or less be done with distance running, which I completely understand. Being the supportive spouse I am, I decided I'd tackle it with her. 
and learning from the scheduling mistakes I made on mine, we plan to only visit the Star Wars area of Disney World the day of the 5K. Then we plan to spend the remainder of the race days kind of hanging out, hydrating, fueling, and not overly exerting ourselves. And taking turmeric and uh, anti-inflammatories because and ice and stuff like that because for my first race I didn't do any of that I didn't take anything I didn't ice or I think I iced when I twisted my ankle or rolled it but that was it I was just like all right let's just go and considering I absolutely believe at some point in the future I'll convince her to join us on a future episode I don't want to get too caught up in relaying the story of that trip I instead want to focus on my conscious decision where I mentally threw my hands up in the air and was like all right I'm done with this marathon junk and I'm never going to do another one. Even though you and I both know that didn't stick since I signed up for the virtual Marine Corps marathon. Run Disney races are awesome. And I vehemently believe I would not have completed my first marathon if I hadn't been running in the House of Mouse. But when you're talking to 2020 Gabe versus 2016 Gabe, I can't stand run Disney races anymore. And while that feeling of accomplishment is absolutely still there after completing a race, the actual race experience of having to run 26.2 miles feels more like a slog than ever before. I absolutely believe the Run Disney experience this past January contributed to my frustration and eventual realization that I'm not only disinterested in jumping into Run Disney races ever again, but that particular distance doesn't really hold any allure for me anymore. The wife and I were 10 miles into the race or so, and we're constantly bumping into people because the field is so crowded. We both need to use the restroom because we had to stand around for nearly two hours waiting for the race to begin. We've yet to enter a Disney theme park, so we're pretty much running on back Disney World roads. And I got to thinking, like, why am I here? Why am I doing this? When I'm struggling to come up with what I deem to be an acceptable answer to this question, I begin to think, you know, this race kind of sucks. We're going to unpack each portion of this a little more, because I obviously I was doing that specific race to support my wife and completing her dopey, and the Run Disney races are awesome, but these philosophical questions I was beginning to struggle with were more focused on me as an individual, as a runner who has specific goals, and really... Apart from hoping to qualify for the New York Marathon, which I hadn't trained for adequately at that point, none of my goals related to running are specifically tied to that distance, to that marathon distance. When I ran my first race, I was ill-prepared, and I hadn't adequately trained. I've relayed this story before, but I never once completed over 17 miles during that truncated training cycle for my first marathon. Still, I powered through, I reached an achievement that I, as a kid who was constantly sick and would miss weeks of school at a time, I never thought I'd accomplish. It was life-changing. It fostered a love for running, helped me realize I was more capable than I'd imagined, and was physically and mentally stronger than I thought. It was a tremendous feeling and served as the catalyst for my obtaining my personal training certification and inspired me to create content that was geared towards the young gamers of the world because I used to live stream pretty regularly. However, when you're the sort of person who is always looking forward to what's next on the calendar, what's the next goal to accomplish, shifting those goals and priorities can become a bit of a struggle. 
I believe I heard this statement I'm about to paraphrase on this past weekend, which is a podcast. So I forget which one it came from, but I remember hearing a sentiment which essentially said, you remember the first time you had coffee, that first real caffeine buzz you ever had? We spend the rest of our lives as coffee drinkers trying to chase that same feeling. As a proclaimed caffeine addict, I can absolutely attest to the validity of this statement. However, I also see a stark parallel with my running goals. Completing a marathon was something I never thought I'd be able to accomplish, and I absolutely did. I knew I wanted to tackle a race with adequate training, so I signed up for my dopey, sustained an injury in that first race, had a race canceled, so it felt sort of incomplete to me. Fast forward to my second dopey with my wife, and yes, I was doing it to support her, and so we could go visit Star Wars Land at Star Wars because, or at Disney World because obviously Star Wars is the best thing ever. But there was always that feeling of unfinished business in the pit of my stomach as it relates to running. I wanted to complete another dopey because I felt like my first accomplishment had been tainted. In hindsight, I absolutely see why I view things in this manner. But that's not exactly the most healthy mindset to be carting around. When I was smack dab in the middle of my first marathon and I wanted to throw in the towel, a switch flipped within me and it was time to go. Those aspects of my personality I'd always been acutely aware of. The impatience, the constant looking forward, the needing to work towards the next thing on the calendar, whether that's a race or a vacation or a deadline. All of those things coalesced into something unique at one time. It just all happened at once. This was an aspect of my personality or multiple aspects or facets of my personality that had always been there, but they really came out full force during that race and in the year or two after. Once I completed that race and read and recovered, it was like, okay, the dopey's next January, so we're training for that. Fast forward to a couple years later, and 2020 me was doing another marathon, and I was thinking, why? Yes, I'd like to complete the New York Marathon, but I'll never be an Olympic athlete, and I don't really enjoy that distance. It's just, it's just a slog to me. I set out to prove something to myself, and I absolutely did. But now? Now I want to be healthy, and yes, I want to get faster and stronger, and I'd like to be able to run that New York Marathon at least once. But if I don't get selected for whatever reason, it's just a dream. I think we discussed this a bit during our last episode. But if you've ever seen my Instagram, the True Bros one, not the Anyone Can Run Pod one, you know that I love me some sneakers. My favorite shoes since high school have always been the Nike skateboarding kicks. And earlier this year, Nike SB did a collaboration with Ben & Jerry's, which makes the best ice cream ever. And the shoe that they did was amazing. However, it's a shoe that's pretty hyped, which means thousands of people tried to get it. And you had to do raffles and contests and all that. And although I've kept an eye out for it, the price to purchase the Chunky Dunkies is like $1,500 minimum. And I don't know about you, but to me, that's just insane. I'd love to wear those shoes, but they're just shoes. You know what I mean? Yes, I want them, but it's not a big deal. Yes, you can really want something, and maybe that's a car or a house. And while those are imperfect analogies because those are necessities, we all have things we want. Luxury items or, or what have you. But at the end of the day, these are little more than quote-unquote nice to have. I would love to run the New York Marathon, and I plan to do everything in my power to increase my opportunities of getting selected to run that iconic race, 
But at the end of the day, I view it just like I do, just like I do those gorgeous chunky donkeys. Both would just be really dang cool to have or to do. Running means something specific to every person who self-identifies as a runner. For some of us, it's a means of staying healthy. For some, it's a means of competition. For some, it's a living. It's a hobby. And maybe it's, or maybe it's even just a way to get outdoors, especially right now. But for me, for Gabe, True Bros, the creator of the Anyone Can Run podcast and the best gamer who is a certified personal trainer who also created this here podcast, running started out as a means to prove something to myself. I've always liked being the underdog. And while I've never been a big fan of uh, competition, PvP, if you will, player versus player, I always prefer player versus enemy, the idea of having to compete against myself mentally was something that really piqued my curiosity. Since that day, running has morphed into a sort of mental retreat for me. Not only is it my opportunity to improve my health and fitness and get outdoors during a world facing a pandemic, but it's the only time where I feel like I've mental time for myself, where I can zone out and focus on whatever. I'm cognizant while I've eased off the throttle a bit in my constant drive to improve my uh, numbers, my speed and my pace and all that, it's allowed me to divert my time and attention to other things I find more fulfilling. In short, while I love marathons, I don't plan to tackle too many for my remaining years on this earth. And I hope that's a long time, but if I only did two more for the rest of my life, the Marine Corps Marathon, the New York Marathon, I'd be fine. And even if I don't do them, hey, it's just a nice to have. I'll never be the kind of person to tell you what to do. But throughout the course of today's conversation, I'm trying to relay how much I got out of that distance the first time. It's a conversation I've had with every client I've ever worked with. It's what I've seen people relay on the Honey Stinger group and the Run and Rab or the Rad Rabbit groups, Facebook groups. They talk about how much they've got out of that mileage. And I hope that you, as a new runner, you'll at least consider giving it a try once. I just want to use my experience as an example for you. And if you train, if you put in the time, put in the work, you can get it. I absolutely believe that. Because we named our podcast Anyone Can Run For A Reason, right? It's because anybody can do it. And that includes you. And just like anyone can run, anyone can run a marathon. I appreciate you spending some time with me today. And I hope you're seeing what I see. That anyone can run and anyone can run a marathon. For our new schedule, we drop new episodes every other Monday. So make sure you smash that subscribe button. If you've ever got questions or ideas for a topic you'd like covered in a future episode, feel free to hit me up on Instagram or Twitter at anyonecanrunpod. If you enjoy Anyone Can Run, do me a favor and notify a fellow runner or someone who wants to kick off their journey on the road to Gainesville so we can all help one another reach our goal of living a healthy and fit lifestyle. It also helps when you leave a quick rating and review in your podcast app of choice to help us reach our goal of dominating the charts. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Anyone Can Run podcast. And if you did, don't forget to pound that subscribe button. If you didn't enjoy it well, you get what you pay for. And regardless, I look forward to seeing you on the road to Gainesville.